Hey, this is Neil Mackay, your host of a Vietnam podcast. Now, before we get started on this episode, I wanted to share with you about one of my favorite affiliate partners, and that is Fiverr. I've been using Fiverr for years for everything from ordering YouTube thumbnails to keyword research, writing podcast articles, even to Canva designs and thumbnails and more. So whether you're a budding entrepreneur, a podcaster, or anyone in between, Fiverr has got you covered. It really is the go-to platform if you want to find freelancers offering a massive range of services to help you on any project. Maybe you need a stunning new logo or just a short animation, whatever you need, you can find it on Fiverr. What I love the most is how easy Fiverr makes it to connect with talented freelancers from around the world, all at prices that will fit whatever your budget is. Plus, with Fiverr's secure payment system, you can trust that your transactions are safe and secure. No dodgy people you meet on Facebook groups that disappear with your money and never give you what you want. What, that's only happened to me? As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you use the link and at no extra cost to you. As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you click my link and you buy something, all at no extra cost to you. And best of all, you will be directly supporting the making of this podcast that you're listening to for free, but it is not free to make. So why we head over to somewhere that you've probably never been before. It's called the show notes. So whatever app you're listening in, if it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anything at all, head to the show notes, click on my special link, and then you can browse thousands of gigs ready to help you with your next project. And now, let's dive into today's episode. Let's go. Saigon podcast. Hope you're enjoying this season so far. And uh, if you're a new listener, I hope you enjoy the show and you can listen to future episodes. You can get 7 million bikes anywhere that you get your podcast. So Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those things. And if you do enjoy, enjoy the show, then please leave a review uh, or you can go on Facebook, give us a like and leave your review there as well. And you can get updates about Uh, events that we're doing and future episodes and more information about the guests so please do that oh as always i love to hear from people it's been really good recently hearing from people who've listened to the show um i want to give a big shout out to zion who's always leaving me comments on facebook and telling me about the episodes and then he's always coming to shows as well so really appreciate his support it's always good to see him out so zion if you're listening which you probably are thank you very much um this episode is um a little bit different than most. So one, it's going to be on the phone, but I think the quality is pretty good. Um, this is going to be different in the fa- in the sense that it's a Scottish person based in Saigon interviewing someone from Hanoi who lives in Cyprus. 
of all places. So today I'm going to be speaking to Fung Nguyen, who is the host of the Blue Expat podcast, which is one of the most listened to podcasts in Vietnam. It's mostly in Vietnamese, but she does have some English speaking episodes, which I was lucky enough to be on um, last year. So you can check that out on the Blue Expat if you want to hear more. Um, but she has a background in foreign affairs. She worked in diplomatic units in Hanoi, and then she decided to move to Europe and went to Italy, then Germany, and then fi uh, finally in Cyprus. So we have a good chat about um, what it's like being a Vietnamese expat, not being an expat in Vietnam. And I hope you enjoy the show as always. Cheers. <laughs> Excited to welcome two seven million bikes, Fung Nguyen, calling all the way from Cyprus. How are you today, Fung? I'm good, thank you. Such an honor to be here. It's so good to have you on. So I looked, um, I was on your show, The Blue Expat, which is one of the most popular podcasts in Vietnam. I was on your show you. in November last year. Can you believe yeah. that? So nearly a year. Yes, yes. Time flies, really. So this is 7 Million Bikes, a Saigon podcast, but yeah. you're, the, you're not from Saigon and you're not yes. in Saigon at the moment, but yes. tell me, so where are you from originally and, um, and we'll get to how you've ended up in Cyprus of all places. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, um, I need to share this because I feel so foreign to your podcast because as you said, I'm, I'm, I'm not an um, expert living in Vietnam. I'm a Vietnamese expert, and I didn't also have the opportunity to live in Saigon. I just visited there a few times, a couple of days, which is not enough to say. And I'm really a typical lady from the north. I'm originally from Hanoi. I, I was born there and grown up for 26 years. No, no, 23 years. And then I moved to Europe. And um, I... The, the reason why I moved to Europe was that I, I was working in diplomatics before. So uh, at some point, I realized that that kind of career is not um, promising to me, that I cannot really go further or, or get promoted like in other kind of work or sectors. And um, it's also not a very fair position for women. So. Okay. Yeah. In what in what way? Um, I mean, you would get more chance to be promoted or to be sent to work abroad if you're men than the women. Okay. I, I I'm not sure with the salary yet because I just started with the career career, but I also try to see vision myself. Okay, what I want to go so far, and with this 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 career path would allow me to go that far. And then I decided to change. So I remember I was working at my office before. I was in the Nepasi and I was working at the same time when I don't have something to do. And um, like beside the, the, the jobs and I have the breaks, I, the lunchtime, I search for uh, opportunity to, to study abroad. And I was looking at business. I, I, I wanted to go to Singapore only because it's closer to Vietnam and they have like um the the like study program which is just one year or one year and a half because I just want to make a quick switch you know I just want to learn something and then to switch to go back to Vietnam and start working in business sectors or working in some uh, foreign companies 
that was my dream at the 20s something years old and then my and then something hit me and then I just feel like oh why didn't I do something more for myself you know I, I'm still so young I just want to try differently and then this opportunity came up just like the universe read me what I, I wished and then I have the chance to go to Italy and I got the scholarship and went there to study which is really perfect opportunity for me because I could travel a lot I always wished to visit Italy and it became a chance for me to live there and study economics, which obviously is not very something for Italy, but okay, I don't care because I know it's more like you learn from the job than learn from the school, right? So the diploma just help you to improve and learn some basic stuff. So I didn't really consider much about that side that, oh, what should I learn? Or I need to go to the States or I need to go somewhere to learn business. I don't have that in mind because I also want to have it as a chance for me to use the time that I was still young and travel. And then I went to Italy with the thought that, okay, I would do two up to three years and then I would go back to Vietnam. But then something else hit me and then I, and then I lived in Europe. So I moved from Italy to Germany. And then, uh, yeah, and I got married and my husband is German. So, but we, we never thought of living in Germany. Like he is a German guy, but he's never wished to live in Germany. And we have been searching so far away we should move. And at some point, I really wanted to move to Vietnam. I was in Vietnam in, in 2018, in the beginning of the years. I also worked there. Actually, I came back to Vietnam, I worked there and was thinking that if everything would be good, we would move to Vietnam for a couple of years before we moving back to Europe. But then uh, we, we have been, we heard about cyber so long ago, like uh, from other digital nomads. And, and then we, we never thought of coming here, even to visit. And then he, my husband, he just went here. He found the great communities in Puffers. And then we decided to move here, which is also a nice place for me because here they speak Greek and English. So like two languages at the same place and I can need only English in order to work. No, not like in Germany that you must speak German. And uh, it's very easy here and you have the, the life, like you always have always on holiday, kind of. So, yeah, it was nice. And that was my the short uh, story of my journey coming <laughs> from Hanoi to Cyprus. And I assume that there's not many Vietnamese expats in Cyprus. Um, I cannot say that they are expat. And at the moment, after two years living here, I cannot call myself expat so much because I'm like if you expert, I, I assume that you would move around, you know, you not reside somewhere, but now I will reside in Cyprus. I have the papers, everything and house. And the Vietnamese here, there are different groups of um, of them. Let's say some people came here to work and some people came here as an investor. So they, they came here, they invest and they have the blue card and and those are the stuff in order to live here and bring their family here. So but do I'm you really different. <laughs> <laughs> do you have Vietnamese friends there? Yes, I do. Luckily, 
Okay. Uh, which is uh, for one year that I really found the communities of investors. But, you know, they, they, there are more Vietnamese investors in, in Cyprus than the number of them actually living here. So let's say there are about like 50 people, like investors to Cyprus. It's just a rough number that I know. And then just only 10 of them decided to live here. Just, just kind of preposition, you know, it's not the correct number. But um, mm. yeah, because it's quite boring for Vietnamese and many of them came from Saigon. Well, and I the mean, life from Saigon to here is <laughs> totally different. Uh, yeah. That's kind of what I've, I think I've written in my description of the podcast is, you know, Saigon is such a vibrant, energetic city. Yes. It is really almost the city that never sleeps. So um, mm. yeah, it must be a big shock to people moving from, from Saigon especially to cyprus how have how have you coped with that like moving from vietnam to europe what's been the biggest biggest differences for you Mm. i um when when i moved first i i was lucky now that i moved to italy where i found like it's my home I don't know why. I, I sometimes I joke to people. Maybe my my previous life, I, I was an Italian because something came to me naturally, like the life there, how to get along with people, how to speak the language. Like I didn't learn so much Italian before I came to Europe, but then I just got along so well and with the language as as well and my friends sometimes like my flatmates sometimes they were shocked because they asked me some words in Italian and they they don't expect me to know it you know because <laughs> they know that I don't learn like them and but I have some some something inside some way I don't know how that is can came out and so it wasn't uh, an issue for me but then I really shocked and when I came to Germany because of the people so you feel things in like everywhere you go, like you live in Dresden and not many young people there. And um, yeah, it's really cool how people interact. And when I came to Cyprus, what I miss the most, or now I'm really miss because um, we, we don't go out so much because we there, there's not many fun options outside of the house to go out, you know. Not like in Vietnam, you want to try something, you go to restaurant, everything is so cheap and good. I mean, eating. Mm. And yeah, and you, you like to interact with people, you like to hang out. But here it's really, um, it's, it's so different. Like people, not, not uh, I, I didn't have that in Italy because people also like to hang out, you know, and and I can go somewhere. We have the street, like um, in Saigon, you have, uh, what do we call it? Bouvien. Bouvien. In Hanoi, we have Tahir. And that's kind of area that mm. I can find in, in, in Italy, you know, and that's where young people hang out. You sit outside, you have drinks, and you can have the fun night. You just spend a couple of euros. But uh, here is not like that. If you, I don't want to always go to a restaurant and on the food, then the cuisine in Cyprus is super poor. I'm sorry if any Cyprus <laughs> listening to this. I hope not, but it's super poor. And yeah, it's, it's um, you don't have the nightlife here. Mm. It's kind of boring sometimes, but um, yeah, I, I try to fit and I, th- I, I always have the hope that uh, I can be able to travel back to Vietnam like once a year. So to 
like to change and then going back and then feeling rest. Yeah. <laughs> my my image of Cyprus is somewhere very sunny, very beautiful, but yes. just lots of lots of old people all drinking ouzo, just <laughs> hanging out. It, it, would that be somewhat accurate, or is that just a, am I completely wrong? Well, I live in Paphos, and the Cyprus, they call Paphos is like the small, um, like Brit city, because there are many retired um, English people here. Right. <laughs> so it's not about drinking ozu, but uh, yes, it's just old people laying next to their pool, enjoying the sun. <laughs> yeah, very, very red English people, I would imagine. Yes. <laughs> so you went to Germany and then um, tell me, how did you meet your husband? Because I remember the last time we we spoke and even just now, as soon as you started to mention your husband and talk about Germany, you start to get a very German accent. Has anyone told you this before? I have a German accent. You do. As soon as you start talking about Germany and you talk really? about your husband, <laughs> I start, you start to sound more and more German. Has anyone ever told you that before? No, never. No, no, you definitely oh, do. I have to share this. I have to share this. I have a, I don't know if it's a bad habit whenever I listen to your show. I like to imitate some sound that when you, when you speak, like you, you like to say show out. Instead of shout out, and it sounds like Canadian to me, you know. <laughs> and I, I like Canadian English, but it's it's really fun. Sometimes it's really mean when you imitate people. It's it's not like you you're trying to learn English. You just like find the spot that they don't pronounce the way that you think that it's supposed to be, and then you just imitate them. But it's no, it's funny. I know I know exactly what you mean when I. <laughs> When I first left to go and work in America, and there was a, it was a, he was like my, he was my boss essentially, and every time I went to speak to him, he would mimic back exactly what I said, mm-hmm. and you know even if I tried to talk to him about something that was important or semi-serious, and you know and he'd, he'd mimic back what I said, and I, eventually I had to say I was like, can you? I know you don't mean it, but like, can you stop doing that? It's so annoying. <laughs> I'm trying to have a conversation with you. And then he was so apologetic. He was like, I'm so sorry. He's like, I just love the way you talk. I think it's so cool. I'm just trying to, you know, practice to say it like you do. And I was like, no, like, I appreciate that. That's fine. But can you please stop it? And he's like, yeah, no problem. But then I noticed that I did it to one of the Swedish guys at the camp. So he would say something with a Swedish accent. And then I would repeat it back to him in the Swedish accent. And I was like, oh, I'm the asshole as well because I'm just doing the exact same thing that people do to me. So I think it's a really normal thing. I think it can come across as mean or you could you could take it as, like, oh, I'm being made fun of. But I think most of the time people aren't making fun of you. They're just, uh, just like you say, they want to kind of mimic and, and say it, especially because it's different. But so if I say shout out, do I say that a lot? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe because it's that 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 sound is just stuck in my head, you know, and whenever I listen to you, I have to find that. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to be uh, self-conscious every time I say shout out. <laughs> well, the funny thing was one time when I was teaching and uh, I walked into the classroom and my wife was walking by my classroom because she was taught in the same school as me. And so she was going to her class. Mm-hmm. As many people know, my wife's American. And as I walked into the class, I just went, all right, sit down, everybody. 
and I, to me, that's just totally normal. And it wasn't until later on she said, oh, she was laughing so hard because she just hears it so Scottish. And it's like, sit down, everybody. <laughs> and then, so then I became very conscious of uh, how I say that. But uh, <laughs> it's good to know. So, so but, but it's still clear to me to understand you. You know, I have um, Scottish friends, so a couple came from Scotland, but they're not from Glasgow like you. Mm. And in the beginning and, and, and later on, we could understand each other better and they learned to speak the, the language, the, the English that people could understand. So at some point, we, we, we have been hanging out for more than a year, you know, and then at some point we say, you know, now we can understand each other better. Because, <laughs> because really, at first, and I heard her, and sometimes I just look like, you know, the, the, the emoji face that you... I you just stay there. <laughs> I still couldn't. Versus, what did she say? And that, that's the thing. I I, I really have and um, I was a bit nervous to take on this uh, podcast interview. Actually, it wasn't oh, really? the first time. Yeah, it wasn't the first time I'm on the uh, English speaking English language podcast. This is my second time actually, and the I I I was. Um, I was waiting for that uh, episode to c come out, uh, and then I would to 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 be online actually um, to share with my listeners, because at some, uh, in the beginning I was thinking no I would not share with my Blue Expert listeners because uh, they know me when I speak Vietnam, uh, Vietnamese mm. and there was a trend on YouTube that people react to someone else English you know and I right. just feel like people are so critical you. I, I never been, I could, uh, this is the first time I stay in a country that there are more people like native English speaker. I have been to Italy where they speak very weird English <laughs> in German. And somehow you said I have the German accent. I never heard about <laughs> it. But, yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes I just think it's just that you have the, 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 the story to tell and the language is the tools happy to share it and why to be so critical with other people I, I was so afraid because I know I have problem with pronunciation and last time we, with our talk and you also said with the mouth muscles it's really an open eye to me something that I was like okay you see that the native English speaker he also said that there's something that you cannot fix and it'd be easy with yourself more and um, yeah, it's somehow, somehow really afraid that I'm sharing here and people also start looking at that, oh, she's not this and she lives abroad, you know, they just think, oh, you live abroad, whatever where you are, you must speak fluent English and sound like a native speaker. That's, um, but yeah, I've got over it now. Well, let's be honest, your English is clearer than many Scottish people's English, so I don't think you have much to worry about. <laughs> on that front. Scottish people, we'll, it's diverse because it's like any country. There's some people in Scotland that have very pleasant, soothing accents that are very understandable. And mm. it kind of depends geographically where you're from, or it maybe depends on where your family's from or, you know, things like that. But, but when you do come across a Scottish person that has a strong accent, it is mm -hmm. really, it is really, really strong. And I've still got friends back home that when I go back and I speak to them, even I'm like surprised. I'm like, whoa, that's, you're so strong and so thick. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I am always, thank you so much. I, even after all these years of being away, I'm always pleased when someone tells me 
that they can understand me. It makes me, uh, <laughs> makes me very oh, yeah. happy. So tell me, so then tell me, how did you meet your husband then? You went to Germany. Why did you go from Italy to Germany? Oh, it was somehow in the plan that I, when I, I go abroad, I also check the reason why I'd like to learn in Europe rather than in UK and the States, first because of price. Uh, and the second, because in Europe you have the chance to to go different cities, different countries within Europe. You you heard about Erasmus? No. It's like a that? scholarship. It's like a scholarship that's signed between the universities in Europe, and uh, and uh, then I also checked that I have the chance with this university. So I got the scholarship from Erasmus and to choose another countries in order to learn. And it was really fate because I don't like Germany at all. I didn't have like my plan to travel in Europe. I never include Germany in it. Why and was that? Yes, I I don't know. I, I, I'm really not into history. Many of my friends who was interested in Germany because they like history. I'm really bad in that. and. And I, I found that there are many countries I find nicer. And, you know, with the scholarship of the students, I just want to choose to go to the places I prefer and to spend money wisely rather than going to as many countries as possible. And the way I travel is also the same, that I always stay so long. So, yeah, that's, I don't include Germany in it. And then um, I chose um, Prague. Because I also have a family member there, so I chose Prague or Budapest for my um, scholarship. But then I was traveling at the point they released the result, and um, I didn't know <laughs> I was traveling. I didn't check my email that I have to confirm that I have to take the option. And when I came back and I saw the email, I was like, "Oh, I don't want to swear here." <laughs> and then I, and then I, I, I just came to the to the committee and then I asked, okay, how can I sign now for the uh, universities that I wanted to go? And they said, no, but we're sorry because this year we also don't have the agreement with those university anymore. Oh, and I no. was like, then where, where do I go? And I would rather not going or wait another semester to go to Germany uh, or Netherlands. But to Netherlands, you know, it's so expensive there to Leiden. And um, I later visited that place and a friend of my uh, in my classmates, he also went there. And it's really be so difficult to study because it wouldn't be in statistics, which is also not my favorite um, subject in the university at that point. So I decided, OK, I will go to Germany. Because also my friends just told me, oh, no, you just go there. You can speak English there. And um, Germany is really cheap. It's true. It's really cheap there. And then uh, I decided, okay, then I would go to Germany. And um, I went to Halle. I stayed in Halle first. And my husband is from Dresden. And during the time there, I was so bored. I was so sad. It's the time I really have the depression starting the student depression time is really there and because people is a little bit they they totally unfriendly there with the the um, i don't want to use racist but they do and i also <laughs> don't speak <laughs> i i don't i at least the people i met and i, I don't speak german 
So they like I just went to just few places, you know. I went to supermarket and thing, and people just look angry. I don't know why I stayed at the counter and they just look so angry at me. And uh, if when I cannot res respond in in German, and I just talk to them in English, and and it was really bored there. Like um, I was really bored there, and then um, there's something came up. At uh, there's a an event in Dresden. They uh, held it every year. It's the International Salsa Festival. And there was, would be the Sansero that I, I really like him. He's an Italian Sansero and also famous one. He would be there. So I was like, okay, at least I would do something for myself during the time I'm in Germany, not just, just stuck somewhere and just do the study and being bored and depressed. And I went there and I I wanted to to find a place to stay because it's a couple of days event. And then I went on couchsurfing. I use couchsurfing a lot uh, during time I'm in Europe. I never had any bad experience with them. I mean, if something would be an, a bad experience, I already cancel. Like I, I had some, I, I asked some people to stay with them in France and then they became so weird in the chart, you know, and then mm. I also stopped. I would rather pay for the hostel rather than staying with those people. Mm. And then I just found on Kassafing and there was not many options in Dresden. I found this guy and he was so used, uh, went to Asia and then uh, he was so available at that time. And then I contacted him. He didn't reply. So I already booked on booking.com something. But just the day before that I would go to Dresden, he replied. He said yes. And I canceled my booking because... Okay, I want to save like 150 euros. So, and that's how I met my husband. So the <laughs> one who hosted me was my, um, yeah, yeah, was, is my husband at the, currently. Right. <laughs> and, but but we, that's how we met. You know, it's just that I find that he's that we really fit mindset. Our mindset is really fit until now, and I still can feel that after five years living together. And, um, yeah, you know, we just met there and later on then I just, we just text. There's not nothing that really happened at the time that we met. And then we text and yeah, it just turned out to be something. I, I don't want to make people think that, okay, you go and cast a thing, you would find your <laughs> boyfriend or girlfriend because many people think that it would be like so romantic from the start. I say it is romantic. It, it was romantic, but it's not like how they think. It took us a couple months until we really together. And I also, I lived in Halle and also I live in Italy. So we have some, um, like, uh, let's say, um, one year, more than one year for a distant relationship. Right. Yes. And yeah, I never expect that, that I would have a long distance relationship But then it worked, you know, so, yeah, it's supposed to be the right person. It's not a, yeah. Mm. Mm. And where did you get married? In Denmark. I, oh, I do I was say not, it. I was not expecting that answer. <laughs> I, I have my, I have my, um, I always to share about that story on our podcast. Because I know there are people um, like marrying 
marrying Germans, maybe from other countries, not just Asia, and they have difficulties to um, to marry. And uh, so I decided that we would share about that story there, and it is on my podcast as well. So the reason why we chose Denmark, because uh, in Germany, it might take us at least seven year, uh, seven months <laughs> to <laughs> to consider our paper to mm. get married. So just for the process of looking through the papers, it took it can take seven months, mm. and then you have to wait for the woman to get married. And for sure, as a Vietnamese, I have different difficulties staying in Europe, like passport and resident permit kind of thing. And I have the resident permit as a student there in Italy, not in Germany. So we found out that the second easiest place on on earth <laughs> to get married is uh, Denmark right. after well, after after Las Vegas. I was going to say, what's what's the easiest on Las Vegas? <laughs> yes, there is a bridge or somewhere that you just drive through and you can get married and you can have the paper. <laughs> that's that's the, the thing. And <laughs> obviously it's just cheaper uh, solution for us to go to Denmark. But it was a, a good decision because the location is really nice. It's an, a small island uh, which is very close to Germany. So we can we could drive to Hamburg and then we took the um, to the north of, uh, of Germany and we can took the ferry to go to that small island and it's really cute it's like a small Hoi An there right and um, yeah it was nice and people were really friendly and uh, also fast we can choose date when we want to get married <laughs> and did you have family come over my family they couldn't come. So they have the, my husband family there. We also have a thought that we would have a small party in Vietnam, but I'm really afraid of the Vietnamese wedding. I don't like the, the way we do wedding in Vietnam. In so, what way? Yeah, just just so many people. So many people and you you do is as something to, to show your face. It's nothing that people... In, like enjoy with you obviously now people do differently if they mm. have the chance but with my family it, it would be different so i i was really afraid so we still didn't do like an official wedding in vietnam and i'm still happy until now and i don't i don't mind myself thinking about that <laughs> <laughs> and has your husband been back to vietnam with you Yeah, we have been there a few times, but uh, he he didn't visit the last three years. And we really wish to be in Vietnam this year in October. We wanted that. We had that plan. But uh, now we would not have, uh, because Vietnam, um, you, we, we still close the border and they would not mm. organize a internet, a commercial flights until the December this year. Mm. So, well, they've just started the first commercial flight today, actually, oh. but it's a very limited, it's like one or two flights a week, and it's to only six specific cities like Guangzhou and Korea, in China, and then another one in Korea. Anyway, so, but yeah, it'd be very, and then you'd have to do quarantine if you came back, so you don't want to do that, so mm. probably have to wait a bit longer, unfortunately, wouldn't you? 
Um, do you keep up with your, do you cook in Vietnamese? Can you find Vietnamese ingredients in Cyprus? Um, now I, I can find it. I'm really try to be creative with my cooking because uh, I live in Europe for a while. And at first when I was in Italy, I didn't have the, the, the chance at all to cook the things I want to cook, like Vietnamese dishes. And then uh, here in Cyprus, I could find some stuff uh, to to cook. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I'm, I'm, I'm quite satisfied with what I'm, I can find here. What's the best thing that you can cook? What's your best Vietnamese dish? Mm. <laughs> oh, it's always better the one who ate it, say it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I enjoy cooking pho. Yeah. I will cook in very typical Hanoi way. And what is that? And Ca uh, Kho. It's really the northern style. All right, if, all right. Yeah. But did, did you try uh, pho in Hanoi? Uh, probably. I don't really eat pho that much. Oh, okay. it's, it's not really one of my favorites. I would prefer Bun Kit Nung or Ban Seo or... Bumbo you way. like nook mam? No, <laughs> I don't like nook mam. Definitely not. I like I like tanga nook mam. Um, oh, because you have bun bun thịt nướng and you also eat it with the nook mam, right? No. Oh, like the fish sauce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have the fish sauce with the with the bun thịt nướng. Yeah. Oh, I thought if I say nook mam, you would be so familiar with it. <laughs> Ah, no, I'm rubbish. I'm rubbish. I've been obsessed with bun thịt nung lately. I've been eating it as much as I can. It's my new my new go-to dish. But yeah, I don't eat much pho. And do you have any Vietnamese restaurants in Cyprus? No, not yet. Not yet? There's a business opportunity for you. Oh, no, I don't like the restaurant business. I don't like F&B at all. No. I don't like it. <laughs> but I, 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 since uh, the community, in the Vietnamese community is like growing bigger right now, mm. there's still some restriction for them to open the business here. Oh, so okay. it, it would take like, I think for the next two years, we would find Vietnamese uh, coffee shop and the restaurant here, hopefully. Yeah, you got to get your Vietnamese coffee. Do you have your Finn coffee? Yes, I do, obviously. <laughs> I just had one this morning to prepare for this interview. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you end up in Cyprus then? It seems such a random country. Like I'm from Europe and Cyprus is just almost, I don't know, it doesn't really come to, to mind very often. So how did you end up there? It, it was the same for us before. Like I heard some friends visited Cyprus because it's also one of the destination, you know, like holiday spot for Germans. So we heard about it, but we we didn't feel like the call to come here. And actually, Cyprus is very popular to British. Yeah, I mm. I could see that there's so many people came here and they have their summer holidays here and summer summer house here even. But uh, it just came to our mind because of the um, tax reason. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to share this <laughs> because I, I, I talk about this in the other podcast that they interviewed me. The reason why I came to Cyprus and it's uh, it's a podcast about moving around, like having a broad life. And yeah, mm. I, so Cyprus is kind of the thing, but it's 
because they they have the regulation that really support uh, business owners or small entrepreneurs. So compared to Germany, it's really a big opportunity to save so much money. And right. uh, yeah, that's why we came here. <laughs> well, tax tax laws influence so much in the world, you know. And uh, I don't know if you you know this, but I got told. So you know, in Vietnam, the kind of uh, traditional house, almost not. I don't mean traditional like a hundred years old. I mean like traditional, like ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years old, is a very tall, skinny building. Mhm. Mhm. Yes. Yeah, and the reason that I was told that those are so common is because the the government, I don't know when, I don't know how many years ago, introduced a tax law mm-hmm. and your property tax was based on how wide your house was, mm-hmm. but it wasn't based on how tall it was. So you could build like a four or five story building, but as long as it was really skinny, your tax mm-hmm. would be you know quite low. So because of that tax law being introduced, that's the reason why all over Vietnam, you see very skinny but tall buildings because it was because they would pay less tax. So it, it's always um, it, it's interesting that how the government creates a, a tax law can make a real di- a tax law can make a real difference to um, to what happens, you know. Yeah, I never heard about that. But you know, there on your podcast also there is some digital nomads, mm. and the one that I listened recently, he's also the quarter. I think he's from South Africa, and he's also a quarter. And I don't know how they set up their their business in Vietnam. You know, it's also interests me because I also at some point want to to consider Vietnam as an option for us, um, like business. Mm. And um, when we consider with the tax, and Vietnam of course is higher than in Cyprus, as I decided Cyprus, mm. but. Um, the things that in Vietnam you have, because the, the regulation is not like in Germany, you know, everything set up, they have every law for every little thing that you cannot move around. And But in Vietnam, it's totally like the different side. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really curious how people set up in Vietnam. And, you know, there are also people with... Um, having the, the, the business related to um, Bitcoin, mm. related to, uh, how do we call it, uh, like uh, digital money things. Yeah. They have the projects there and it's really growing. Like I know some people, they came from Singapore for that. And yeah, it uh, really inspired me that how people find the way. And um, yeah, now we're having the setup in Cyprus, but hopefully in the future we would be bigger enough for having more business idea to think of that. But um, yeah, it's it's really interesting, and you know more about Vietnam than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, it's really cool to hear that you you listen to the podcast. I I always find it amazing when someone tells me they listen to the podcast. Do you find that? I'm like, wait, because. It's it's when you make a podcast, like right now I'm talking to you on the phone or it's just me one-on-one with someone and you're having a conversation, then you put it online and you release it to the world. Mm-hmm. So it's a very kind of intimate, is maybe like too personal a word, but it's, a, it's kind of like a very intimate conversation. You get to talk to someone about things that you probably wouldn't normally talk about. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it's just you, and then suddenly someone tells you, oh yeah, like you've just said, oh, I heard Devin talk about coding, and then this and that, and you're like, oh wait, oh yeah, you listen, you kind of like I forget that once you release it, that then people listen to it. It's weird, like because that you you create the podcast to be listened to, but mm-hmm. I still find it strange that people listen to it. Do you find that, or is that just me? I um I I went through that already to <laughs> that. Uh, stage and then now you know at some point when my podcast is reached a certain amount of listens and I just imagine okay I have this like, solo episode I just talk and there was three um, I, I just imagine okay this had got 500 people listen to it and they mm-hmm. listened a few times so the number of listen and the number of listeners are different and I was thinking if I'm in a big room with these 500 people and I talk and they just listen to me, it was like, wow. You know, you're just sitting in your room, yeah. you just have the mic there, you feel so lonely, you feel like you're having the conversation with yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. it actually turns out to be like 100 people listen to you. That's that's crazy. And yeah. this is a powerful thing about podcast. I, I like Pat Flint. he's really my, I have been following him for years. And he had recently some like videos, fun video on Instagram that I also share on my page, saying about the amount of time that people listen to your your median, including YouTube, including reading your blog and with podcasts. So with YouTube, you can have like, if you're lucky enough, people would watch your video like like less than 10 minutes. And the blog, they could spend even less time on this. When with podcasts, it's like forever. You know, you have 45 minutes podcast, a podcast which is one hour and a half, or you listen to big name like Tim Ferriss, they have very long podcast episode, but people listen to it and mm-hmm. they, they do listen to a couple of times, even just not, not just once. And it's really powerful in this medium. And that's why I'm in this um, in these things for, for a few years now. I, yeah, I couldn't yeah. believe it. You know, I, I had a long break. I'm really lazy podcaster. I have to say that I'm the laziest one. But still, I'm I'm here. I'm 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 not leaving it yet because I I just find the how powerful it can be. Yeah, and I completely agree because uh, the first ever episode I I recorded was with J.K. Hobson, who's a comedian, and we his episode was pretty successful. You know, hundreds of people listened, and we do shows together where it can be anywhere from five people to maybe twenty five or thirty people would be. If we thirty people, that's quite a big audience. And it, same thing, it was like, we can you imagine, like, we just did this podcast that's listened to by hundreds of people. Imagine if we did a comedy show with 300 people there, that would be incredible. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's definitely cool. And I, I meant to tell I actually had somebody who I knew professionally email me. This was after I did your episode, or even about six months ago, so maybe a, a few months after I was on your show, he emailed me and he's like, I didn't know you had a podcast. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. I was like, how did you find out about that? Because I don't talk about it professionally when I'm dealing with, with work. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, well, because he's Vietnamese. And he's like, I listened to the Blue Expat and I heard you on the Blue oh. Expat show. Well, nice to hear. So that was that was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, so what? how did you get into podcasting? What made you start? Well, it's really long you know, sometimes I, I hope I remember how we I started. <laughs> um, because give us, give us uh, the just, brief version. I 
No, no, it's um, I I like listening to podcasts. It's something that really helped me a lot during the time that I lived abroad. And I really understand that uh, sometimes people write, wrote to me and then they say that they feel like they're having a friend because some of my, like many of my listeners, they, they live, they are students who study abroad. And I, I was there. I used to be like them. I used to be a, a student who studied abroad and felt so lonely. And I found podcasts as the thing to accompany me going somewhere when you have to commute on the road and and then and and then I just think that I don't find a Vietnamese podcast at all and I was thinking why and then I, I was like what, instead of asking why why don't I ask a better answer like why not me and then I I have the background, which is like I, I worked in diplomats before, and I joined some events where I did. The, I, I I was an interpreter. I did the Vietnamese and English, and I, in Vietnamese we call the MC for events. I had that background, and I know that I had worked so much on my voice in order to speak clearly and to match with the mic. I, mm. I did not. I wasn't born with a very nice voice. You know, I was struggle a lot to to fix it. And it was like, okay, I've been so long with that, and we have a mic at home. And so it's just the, the call inside you just feel like, oh, just try it out. And then I try first with um, recording some uh, audiobooks. There's a the, the website, a forum I found that they have free audiobooks for everyone, and I just joined it. I did a few books there. And people love it. People love my voice, like the way I record, and I have very clear and perfect uh, audio compared to other people on the group. So I was thinking, like, okay, this a start, and I I practice with editing and uh, how to speak on the mic in this way, you know, setting up, and then I just try with the podcast. It wasn't I I consider it not a big success when I start in the first year. I got only less than 5,000 listens after the, the first uh, two years, you know, because it wasn't popular and also I've got a big break. I don't do any marketing. I don't pay Facebook for this stuff because I also know many blogs that they try and it's not successful. And I, I, I prefer to start as a hobby. And then I returned to podcast in 2018 and within two months, I got 10k listens, you know, I doubled the amount after two months returning um, compared to the first two years. So, and I just see, see that, okay, people start to to take this median more, you know, th there was the time for Vietnamese to to learn about this new thing. And I accept the, the market law and then then people start getting in and after two years which is now then more people want to do their own podcast so mm. which is really nice and and I also pushing myself to to make a series now it would call lamp podcast with the blue spot mm. so it's the original name so they I wouldn't show them how they should start a podcast it's gonna be a bit tarative Taratico, because I I don't want people to take step by step that they can do and then they do few few episodes and they leave it like me in the past. So I yeah I'm I'm trying to finish it because 
it's not about just recording the series. The series would be included some like handout that people can download, some some printable stuff that people can uh, have some exercise, some assignment. So those kind of content I also have to create, and it's a huge load of work, which is also not my priority at the moment with podcasts because I having another things going on with the career and I can make money from it. So, but yeah, I I will try my best to make podcasting more popular in Vietnam. Well, you you are one of the most listened to podcasts in Vietnam, so you're, you're doing something right. Yeah, I, I do something, and sometimes I'm I'm surprised of myself <laughs> because <laughs> there's time that I have the break. And I still see the number of listens going, you know. Um, yeah, I, I know there are more shows now, uh, Vietnamese show now, and people also do it more professional. But um, yeah, I, I I'm I'm blessed with that now. <laughs> and I remember when um, we spoke just over a year, under a year ago. Uh, mm-hmm. I was talking to you about how there's lots of really amazing Vietnamese comics, but it's all in English. And because from what I'd been told, it was it's really difficult to do comedy in Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. Well, we fast forward to now. Um, two of the comedians that I spoke about on that episode uh, have now started doing comedy in Vietnamese mm-hmm. over the last few months. And it's super yeah. successful. They're like... Um, I think I saw their YouTube channel just hit 100,000 subscribers. They've done a show mm. at the Hard Drop Cafe. They're getting on television and they're doing it all in Vietnamese, which is, um, well, I think yeah. as far as I know, it's the first time that it's it's proper stand-up comedy in Vietnamese because from what I know, Vietnamese comedy is traditionally quite kind of slapstick humor, not so much, you know, spoken word humor. Um, mm. And so they're really doing some groundbreaking things. So so well done to We Nguyen and We Le. And that yeah, was, yeah. they've got a whole crew of doing that. So you can check them out. You so, know, I um, heard about them from your show. Oh, like last cool. time when we talked, last time when, you, when we talked and you said you're going to do the, the live uh, live podcast yeah. with uh, We Nguyen. And you also yeah. mentioned them and then I never heard of them, honestly. And then after you said, and I was like, oh, really, com- stand-up comedy is something in Saigon. And then I start searching for it. And it's it's become something now. And I enjoy mm. listening to them. It's uh, really fun. And I, I do, I, I really, I'm really grateful that you're doing what you are doing. So, like, bringing the comedians on the show to have more people knowing about them. Because it's something you doing for that and for for the the comedians the Vietnamese comedians that you just mentioned I know that they also work on this for a couple of years now until they can be success with their own their mother tongue and bringing more to the people like like Vietnamese people I think it's always take some time until you you can step in closer to the success for something so new mm. it's really exciting I was just talking to we lay this week and I was just saying, you know, uh, don't forget me when you're famous because um, it's, I think, uh, being able to do what they did in English is incredible. But then for what they're doing now in Vietnamese, I think is like brand new, like a new thing. So 
I, I wish I could probably go to a show and understand what they're saying, but that's probably never going to happen, let's be honest. So uh, but I'll just take it. I'll just believe that, uh, that it's really, really good. So we'll, we'll move on at this point um, to the final questions that I ask everyone at the end of each episode. But you're not in Saigon and you're not in Vietnam, so we, we've had to adjust the questions a little bit um, mm-hmm. to make them more... Uh, applicable for yourself so we'll see how these work these questions might not work at all but we'll see how we go so the first question is normally based on traffic because we know the traffic in saigon and vietnam is absolutely crazy what's the traffic like in cyprus and how does it compare to vietnam well um let's say from the population that here we have like 1.2 million people compared to more than 97 million in Vietnam. Wow. So for sure, for sure, we, we I have so much more space on the road compared to being in Vietnam, especially in Saigon. It's less noisy. But people here also like honking. I mean, for the behavior of people on the road is not like in Vietnam. Uh, it's, it's not so much different from Vietnam. Like right. the number of traffic, yes, of course, it's totally different pictures. Like you would feel like you when I'm on the, in the road here in the city, you would feel like you some like small city in Vietnam where you have so much space for yourself. But um, for the behavior, I must say Vietnamese people are better driver. <laughs> like like in Vietnam, the way you, they drive is just so scary, you know. Of course, we have so many um, accidents. I have to admit that, but still, you can see how people drive, and with the number of accidents, it's still. Um, if we can just make as a percentage and you see, okay, uh, it's like that. But here, people, they also don't use indicators. What I hate <laughs> in Vietnam, but here is the same. They don't use the indicators. They Sometimes they honk at you. I, I, I use my bike here. I have uh, an e-bike. I'm not driving. Like here, normally people use a car, mm. right? And I have my bike. And sometimes they just honk because I'm on the bike. On the road, you know, just teasing at you, some old man just teased at an Asian lady, and <laughs> and um, yeah, and they they re- they also skip the, the the traffic light, like when it's right. red, and you, you just you need to be aware that okay, someone would pass it, or they don't stop when there is a stop line, and yeah it's, it's weird they also but here they have the rules that if you eat during when you drive you would get the fine right right because there was one time there was a guy he was having his sandwich when he, he drove and there was an accident somehow so that's time they started with that you would get the fine of i think 500 euros if you are caught with eating and driving <laughs> which is even more than list uh, more than using the phone and driving <laughs> <laughs> and they, they do use a phone when they drive, which I hate so much. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not don't drink and drive, it's don't eat and drive. Yeah, of course with the problem with drinking, but you cannot see it. It's not visible, like with eating. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think Vietnamese drivers are the best in the world because it's just so crazy here that the fact that there aren't accidents just left, right and center Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're, they're fantastic drivers, but I, I've lived all over the world, as you know, and I, and I find it so funny because no matter where you live, the people that live there say that 
the rest of the people can't drive. So if you live in Australia mm-hmm. and you and you're in Melbourne, they'll say, "Oh, people in Sydney can't drive." And if you're in Sydney, mm-hmm. they say, "Oh, people in Canberra can't drive." Or if you're in New Zealand, they'll be like, "Oh, people in Wellington can't drive." Like everywhere you go in the world, they'll say that people can't drive well. Mm-hmm. So I, well, I think that just means that nobody can drive well. But so quick, quick follow-up questions: Do people in Cyprus uh, drive down the wrong side of the road? That is the problem with tourists. <laughs> this is why in the beginning when I mentioned that what is nice here that we don't have tourists on the on the road because that's the problem with tourists and sometimes they confuse you know because the Google Maps doesn't work properly here mm. so you would see people they don't know if they should turn or they they're just so confused on the road and uh, and so so now we don't have the tourists but people I have a friend he he's German and he did drive wrong on the roads once and there was a big bus came and he also had to crash to the side of the road and he had the big crash from the side of his car because of that accident mm. and it was so funny and here is only place I think I, I know I think I saw also in Germany they have side everywhere on highways saying that drive on the left side yeah because here yeah. They, they drive on the left so <laughs> it's like drive on the left side and which is which is funny sometimes. I've made that mistake. When I go home to Scotland, you made. oh, I've driven down the wrong side of the road. It's it's mostly when there's no other traffic on the road, so it's quite safe because because when there's no other traffic, you just forget because you don't see the other cars for reference. And then you'll be like, oh, no, I'm driving down the wrong side of the road, but there's no one there. So I've, I've never really done it in traffic, but um, It's an easy mistake to make. And I know in other countries, I think in New Zealand, there's big signs as well because they have problems with tourists as well saying drive on this this side of the road. Um, so good to know that traffic is a traffic situation is not unique in Vietnam, right? It's crazy, crazy everywhere. So how long have you lived in Cyprus again? Two years. So what's your most... Two years. A little bit more. So what's your most useful Cypriot phrase? Mm. I know some phrases, but let's say I don't really understand the meaning. <laughs> they 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 like to say yesas, which is like hello. But when I search in Greek, you know, there is no yesas, and I really like, okay, well, am I sure what I'm been have been using? So I would use uh, Kalimera, which is good morning. And I don't know what is good afternoon and good evening. <laughs> I just go out in the morning. So you, just, you only, so if you see someone in the afternoon, you just say good morning or in the evening. <laughs> yes. It's fine. I, I just use hello, but that is something really nice in in other languages, you know, compared to Vietnamese, that we don't have, we don't, we don't say chào buổi sáng, chào buổi tối, whatever in Vietnamese, and uh, the saying hi is something that can easily bring people to get to know each other, and in Vietnam, if I heard someone say xin chào. I would think that that's it can if you have perfect pronunciation and I don't see your face I still think that you are the foreigner who learned Vietnamese because I don't hear any Vietnamese saying xin chào if it's not on the show or something What really You think that? Yeah because in Vietnamese we would say chào em chào anh chào whatever you would say it like that you would not right, say right, xin chào Right right of course Yeah I I I, I don't know any Vietnamese that really saying xin chào at first Or if yeah, they right. I say it to the foreigners. Who yeah, yeah, I probably hear it because they say it to me. Uh, no, but now you say that, I hear ciao em or ciao em. And then did you say there's no, in Vietnam, there's no phrase for good morning? 
we have chào buổi sáng but i know i it's just some name of some like uh, like uh, vietnamese television national television that they have the show calling right. like that but you wouldn't, wouldn't use that in general yeah i don't know i don't i really <laughs> don't i don't say you hi to my grandma i say chào buổi sáng oh my god it's just weird <laughs> So I normally ask people, what's their favorite sunset spot in Saigon? What's your favorite sunset spot in Paphos, Cyprus? Uh, I I have the luxury of living along the coastline. So obviously there are many nice places that I can view the sunset. And one of my favorite spots is the, it's a place where there is a shipwreck. So the ship is really close that you can... People actually can swim there and get inside. Uh, the name is uh, the Adro Third Shipwreck. So it's just along the coastline between two very nice beaches. And yeah, that's just my favorite spot. But I, I'm, I'm curious why you have this question it's, uh, in Saigon, because is that nice to watch sunset there? or, or how Yeah, the, there's some beautiful spots in Saigon. I mean, one of the things that you appreciate as an expat, I think one of my favorite things about the whole of Southeast Asia is sunset. So mm. whether, you, whether you're in downtown Bangkok or you're on the beach in Thailand, you know, you, you've always, more times than not, you're going to have this beautiful, bright, flaming red sunset, which creates these beautiful colors. Mm. Where I'm from in Scotland, we don't really have sunsets because it's just cloudy most of the time. So the sun goes down, but it's not a sunset. Um mm. And New Zealand can be sometimes stunning. New Zealand can have some unbelievable sunsets, but not. there's just something special about it in Southeast Asia. And in mm. Saigon now, especially with the river in Saigon and a few of those places have been cleaned up, there's some, some really nice spots here. So that's why I ask people to find out where do they like to enjoy the sunset here. But mm. I'm sure in Cyprus it's pretty beautiful. Well, the next question I ask people is, would they rather live in Saigon now or 20 years ago? Because it would be quite a different experience. I don't know what Cyprus is like. Would you rather live in Cyprus now or 20 years ago? 20 years ago, I would rather live in Hanoi or in Saigon. Right. I definitely live in Saigon 20 years ago. And in Cyprus, it's really, you know, they also just um, changed to uh, euros, the currency. Mm recently and they also had they, they also belong to uk before and that was weird time here and they they just start growing here it's still so much of limitation um in their infrastructure and things like that and i i would not want to live here 20 years ago the first day <laughs> i arrived to Paphos, you know i have been to egypt once where there is um uh, what's the name of the place but when i came to egypt i just found some like broken buildings it's just left there abandoned buildings and the first day i came to Paphos from the airport to our place at that point i surpassed that area and i was like oh no i feel like if i go to egypt to leave because of many abandoned houses which is now they're trying to to fix them and after two years i live here and because in the past um, with the war with turkish and many turkish people they left this side of this island so mm. this this small island is called Cyprus island is has half belong to Cyprus which is part of Europe and half is Tur Turkey 
So oh, okay. the north of these islands belong to Turkey. So in the past, they also have this conflict and many Turkish, they left this side of the island and they have to go to the north because it's that part is Tur- Turkey and here is not. So those land belong to them. They still didn't have the, this one was explained to me from a local and he said that those abandoned buildings, they cannot touch it because it belonged to the Turkish. And then after the war, and they still didn't have the, um, agreement somehow to solve with their stuff so that that place the people can uh, from here they cannot touch it so there's still some many abandoned houses that look so sad here and yeah this was my impression at first so I would not go to, to live here 20 years ago <laughs> that's fair enough then um so what for you what's missing from Cyprus i um, like from the point of view of uh, Vietnamese here, as many mm. Vietnamese people, they came here as an investor. And I will see, okay, what do they invest here? Obviously, this country, they need investment. But what are the plans? So the plans are mostly just residence houses or villas kind of things. Mm. And there's no place like uh, proper like factories or for production and then many things here, they didn't have to import from other part of the of Europe or from China. And it's really expensive to live here somehow because you have to buy to pay the import tax and the, the, the cost of uh, transportation. And yeah, that's something I think need to improve. And as well as the life here, it should be more dynamic in order to, to be our to say that it's suitable with the Europe thing. And I wish that they would improve, you know, then they can be in the Strengen, if you know about the Strengen. Mm. Yeah, so they're not in the Strengen, which is also a big limitation for me because, like, and I, I want to, now I have the paper from Cyprus and I'm not living in, in Germany, so they don't give me the residence permit from the German, from Germany. So whenever I go to Germany, even if my husband home country and I also need to ask for visa All so right, that's I, I just I, I just talking for myself you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know it sounds really selfish but I mean it's also good for them if they improve that much yeah yeah for sure no it's interesting to hear because I don't as I said I don't really hear much about Cyprus so mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear so my, my final question is uh, what do you miss the most from Vietnam? Miss the most from Vietnam? Uh-huh. I I miss the... How, how do I... I don't... It's very intangible, you know, that you miss the vibe, you miss the feeling that you just go out and then um, just get out of your house and you can feel the different vibe. You can go shop something, you can go eat out, and you can live in the, like, people can be rich there and have a rich life and people can have less money and still have a happy life there. Mm. You know, that's just so the diversity there. It's uh, more of the feeling in Vietnam than on this uh, typical things. Like if it's something that's uh, a physical stuff I miss would be my family and my friends mm. and food. But what I, I feel what I miss more is just the feeling of being in Vietnam. 
but you you come there and you know ah oh, this is Vietnam and when I talk with some experts uh, here in Cyprus as well and some of them they lived in Vietnam before and they also really in love with that and they, they miss that feelings mm-hmm. and just that only only with the people who who live different places like if you now if you go back to Scotland and we talk together and for sure you would feel me when I say that I miss the the energy the the the, the feelings when you go to to Vietnam. And yeah, just think you the most. No, I love that answer. That's got me uh, almost emotional because there is there's a partly I think we've talked about it on this podcast and um, it's maybe part of the inspiration for starting this podcast is there's just something about Vietnam that is really hard to describe unless mm. you've been here. And I don't even really know how to describe it other than what you just said, like an energy, like a feeling like there's like... Living in Saigon these days, it's, it's a big city, right? It's a big cosmopolitan city. There's international restaurants. There's food and wine and beer. And and so it's not it's not like we've talked about this before with other guests. The perception from friends and family abroad for some people is that it's all rice paddies and conical hats still. So when you tell somebody I live in Vietnam, that's the image that they get. But the mm-hmm. reality is I live in a big city. But regardless of that, there is just this incredible something about Vietnam. So, and I've talked about this before. My wife and I came here on holiday five years ago. Just absolutely loved it. The first weekend we got back to New Zealand, we spent the whole weekend eating Vietnamese food, making Vietnamese <laughs> food, finding coffee shops, finding Vietnamese coffee. And almost straight away, we started planning a trip back to Asia, which was including a stop off in Vietnam. We came back here for six weeks just to learn how to teach English and then we were going to keep traveling and go back to New Zealand. And now over four years later, we're still in Vietnam with no no plans to leave. Mm-hmm. And so I think I love your answer because it is, it's even, and I think that's Vietnamese people who have that same feeling, this connection to their country that's just something that's, and every I've had friends visit here, I've had family visit here, and every one of them just love it, like absolutely love it. They still message me about how much they miss it and um, just how much an amazing time they had here and how they want to come back. And so it's there's very few people that come here that don't have that feeling, even though it's, mm-hmm. I think, really difficult for most people to say what that feeling exactly is. Yes, it, it, I, I, I think that... Um, we've been we tell people that here there are many nice food and restaurant and thing, but you can have that if you live somewhere else. You also can have Vietnamese coffee, even good coffee somewhere else. You also mm. have a nice coffee shop. But the point is that when you step out of your house and you get on the way to that restaurant or the coffee shop and what you will see on the road and your your reaction, the emotional reaction to that situation that give you some impression in you. And that's things that accumulated to be the feelings that is for Vietnam. That is, the pictures change every day. Even you go to the same restaurant every day for a year, but every day when you go there, you see different things or something you find familiar and it's bringing you the feelings that you would not find somewhere else. I, that is the, the things that I, I think that is special about Vietnam. So diverse that you you may go to the very fancy restaurant, but next to that you see people sitting on the street having the five thousand dong chada and uh, yeah. like iced tea. One hundred percent. It's it's weird, but it's just so diverse and so <laughs> yeah. For people who like to experience, I think that is really nice. 
that is one of the things. It's that juxtaposition of having this, you can have this really fancy, expensive restaurant and then next to it there's, yeah, a coffee shop on the plastic stools at the side mm-hmm. of the street. Yeah. Well, look, let's leave it on that because that's a, a beautiful note to leave it on and it's left me on a massive high and, and very excited Um and I'm, I'm happy to be here. So this has to be, I think, let's just make a bold claim that this is the most unique podcast episode ever recorded, that there's Thank a you. Scottish man in Saigon, in Vietnam, interviewing a Hanoian Vietnamese person who lives in Cyprus. Uh, I think that has to be the weirdest, strangest, most amazing combination of uh, interviewer and interviewee. <laughs> ever in podcast history i'm probably being over the top there but we'll call it that so thank you so much Fung. it's so good to talk to you again um, just you remind so people you're very welcome remind people um about your podcast quickly tell us about that and where can they find it so my podcast now is uh, called the blue expat and you can find it on wherever you wherever you listen to podcasts it's on apple Podcasts, spotify Anchor, Google Podcasts, Teachers, you can find it everywhere. And I do my um, content mainly in Vietnamese because that is my target audience. However, there was a point when I came to Vietnam and I, whenever I have the visit to Vietnam and I met experts living there, mainly from uh, Hanoi, uh, who were who living in Hanoi. And they, I, I found that it's also very nice to share their stories of living in in, in Vietnam, because from um, like today when I talk with you, I learned something about Vietnam I haven't heard before. Even I'm Vietnamese, you know, and I have the same with other experts and I want to share their stories. But then I found your podcast and I know there also other podcasters, they share the stories of expert living in Vietnam. So I just want to focus only on the Vietnamese um, content. But I do have some episode about um, Expat life in in Vietnam. If someone of your listeners is interested to listen to my podcast, yes. And uh, you also can find me on Facebook uh, and Instagram. It's the Blue Expat as well. I'm not really active on Instagram, but on Facebook I'm there, and everyone can connect with me on my Facebook. And I have a website which is I'm rebuilding it now, uh, which also the blueexpat.com, and it's gonna be. Uh, who have the new appearance uh, coming soon. I think in, in one or two months it will be there. Awesome. And that's all. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, make sure you check out the Blue Expat. Um, give her a like on Facebook. So, Fung, thank you so much. It's been amazing talking to you again. And maybe we'll have another reason to have another conversation in a year's time. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so all much right. fun talking to you. You too. Have an amazing weekend and thank you so much. You too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to that episode of 7 Million Bikes, a Saigon podcast with Fung Nguyen. And thank you again to Fung for joining me. Uh, I was maybe a bit hyperbolic at the end, saying it's the most unique podcast ever. I got a bit excited. But it's a pretty cool circumstance to have a, a Scotsman in Saigon interviewing a, a Vietnamese woman who's in Cyprus. But anyway, I got carried away there. But thanks again for listening. Um, just for Fung, I'm going to say shout out. So... Um, I gave a shout-out at the beginning of the episode to Zion. If you want a shout-out on 7 Million Bikes, send us a message on Facebook. Tell me what you love about the show, and uh, I'll give you a shout-out on the next episode. 
Thank you as always to Lewis Wright for composing the theme music to 7 Million Bikes, which still gets the most amount of love and attention, more than the podcast itself. But I can see why. As you can hear, I've still got a bit of a raspy voice recovering, trying to get over my nodules. Thank you to Lane Wynn, who helped me design the cover art for 7 Million Bikes. Thank you to everyone who's been listening as well. So go on the Facebook page and give it a like if you haven't already. If you're in Saigon, you'll learn more about the upcoming shows and events that we have being hosted. And um, you'll see some more posts from me as well. And if you can, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or uh, on Facebook. And you can listen to future episodes on the website, 7millionbikes.com or anywhere that you get your podcasts. So uh, thanks for listening. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. It can be your internet service provider, or you know who, looking at what you do online, or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease. And I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.